Hola, push me. Shannon Farron. We all know how this goes. That the government shows up, tells us how much they care, and they do nothing. Gary Hoffman. I believe we'll make it out of here because, because I choose to believe it. From the makers of the 33 comes Gary and Shannon. I eat rocks. I get pretty sick. Recibir por la popa. La lavadora está muy enojado. Gary and Shannon. My name is Sabina. I'm a junior at California State University, Chico. Yeah. Studying recreation, hospitality, and parks management. That sounds like a nice life. Our department's hosting a fundraiser event on April 28th. My family listens to your show, and Mom mentioned that you and Shannon matriculated at Chico State Mm. many times. Good word. With that being said, we're looking for donations. And was wondering if there are any great KFI gear that could be donated for our silent auction. (laughs) What kind of great KFI gear? I don't know. Should we give her the stuff from the office that we give away from time to time at News and Brews? Like the old stuffed animals. Like baby flurry heart. The, M&M's. M&M's. <laughs> old M&M's. Old M&M bags. We went through an entire bag of M&M's yesterday. Okay, now, I but... I mean, the big bag. It wasn't the huge I bag. just refilled the bowl. What kind of M&M's? Plain. Easter. Easter. Oh. Pastels. I mean, regular regular inside, pastel outside they, Easter M&M's. They do taste fresh as hell. <laughs> they're so they were just good. Made. They are so good. I ate a handful already. <laughs> You're looking down at my hands. They're gone. Well, I, I mean, it melts in your in mouth, like, not in, in your 90, hands. Right. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you heard uh, you heard Monica mention. I just feel like I need a little Purell after uh, <clears throat> after the baseball game got called last night. I didn't count of the poop. The poop out there on the third baseline. And Charlie Steiner can bring himself to say, to poop, say poop or sewage. <laughs> it's like I'm too above it. Like I can't even describe what's happening. What do he say? There's something on the field that you wouldn't want to walk in shoes in, right? Because you want to walk through crap barefoot. I don't know. Uh, I, Good lord. Oh, I have. A, did you guys hear the Woody Show today? I mean, in, when you're flipping channels between Handle and the Woody Show, because I know everybody does. They did a whole thing about names. I don't know what it is that I've done to piss off the Woody Show. Do they hate the well, name Gary? Let's revisit <laughs> our experience with the Woody Show. Okay, it's very little. We've never really met them. We've been in like shared meetings once in a while no, over I've, the past, I, I don't know, what, ride, six years. I used to ride the elevator with Ravy all the time. Oh. When, when I was doing the mornings, super early in uh-huh. the morning, she'd get in. We'd, you and know. you were friendly? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I know Because it doesn't make sense when I tell this story. A while back, one of our friends here at KFI had had lunch with one of the guys from the Woody Show. And the guy from the Woody show, somehow the, our show came up, Gary and Shannon show. And he said, Greg, he said, I don't even know who they are. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Is that Gary Hoffman? Yeah, I heard he's a total D. <laughs> Isn't that great? So. He said that on the air? Or no, no, no. no. Oh, okay, to, our, okay. to our friend. <laughs> to our friend. Right. Um, 
So then we kind of had fun with it, with Gary having a reputation in the building of being a D. Because, you know, Gary is kind of a quiet guy. People can draw their own assumptions when he doesn't speak very much. You could read that wrong. You could read him wrong. I didn't think you liked me the first few months I was here, and then I got an invite to your Super Bowl party. And I'm like, on. what? Did you think I was... Interesting. Did you, would you use the word D to describe no. me? No. Well, Just, not now, but back then. No, maybe. but you have a very stone face, so even, I mean... <laughs> I agree, Monica. You know what I mean? When I first started working here, I thought Gary also didn't like me. Couldn't read you. Yeah. It was kind of like the. His, I took his silence for. <laughs> yeah, you're an idiot, and I don't want to talk to you. Same. Get so, out of my face. I guess that leave why, this office right, now. Totally. So I guess that's where the whole building reputation is coming from. So I need to walk around with a giant smile on my face. Or just you know, <laughs> please, because then you'll look like you're on drugs or something, something. at work. But Maybe now, something. But it's funny because ever since that guy said that to our friend, I have I I'm very self conscious of. Seeing people in the break room or walking by them in the hallway and saying hello and saying hello or at least the you know the little bit over smiling you know mm-hmm. like why is this, what's wrong with that guy <laughs> so I, anyway and then today you heard them well, I, we'll have to play it a little bit later but but oh. today they were talking about me I mean I know it wasn't me no but but maybe I, subconsciously <laughs> in their heads they know that there's a guy in the building that's kind of a D. And that may have what been what prompted their conversation this morning. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll play part of their show. It's really quick. It's like 10 seconds, but it it cut deep. It did not. It did. All right. LAPD is reportedly opening up an attempted homicide case now in the stabbing attack of Corey Feldman. Really? Yes, sir. We will get into all the details coming up at 11 o'clock. Hey, Nick. Just a side note. Let's get uh, Corey Feldman in. Uh, I think that would be. Well, fantastic. he's in the hospital right now. Well, I know, but when he gets no, out, he got released. Oh, did he? Yeah, he's he's been released. Since well, this morning. I doubt yeah, we'll he's gonna. I doubt he's gonna run over to our show. You know, just getting out of the hospital. But maybe, especially since you're such a d bag. Wow, <laughs> she added to it. Oh wait, I think we we got the words mixed up. They weren't calling him that d word. They were calling him the shorter one. Another oh. D word. How big? Uh, genitalia <laughs> word. Flaccid targets. So, I guess they both could work. No, easy. I'm just kidding. So <laughs> the shorter one stings more. There is uh, depends yes. on how it well, doesn't matter. Uh, so there is an issue going on. Everybody thought that recreational pot in California was going to bring with it a sort of Disneyland feel to the Golden State where Everyone was going to be able to just smoke pot willy-nilly and not a big deal. Well, thanks to what we've seen happen with state government, anytime you have something fun, they have to put their foot down and choke the living life out of it. Anytime you have something that could make the state money, the government has to step in and screw it up. Install all sorts of red tape, all sorts of bureaucracy, and suddenly all the gears are gummed up. And nothing moves as slowly as it once did. Yeah. To make a gross generalization here, a lot of people who are or were in favor of legalizing marijuana for recreational use, again, this is a gross generalization, a lot of them tended to be a little bit more uh, politically progressive, shall we say, a little bit left-leaning. Maybe they came from uh, from uh, the Haight-Ashbury, San Francisco, just the, again, gross generalization. 
and they thought they didn't have a problem with the government. And now that marijuana is recreationally legal in California, they're beginning to realize sometimes the government sucks. A. Sucks. (laughs) And this is one of the examples. If you imagine there was about $180 million worth of cannabis edibles sold in 2016. That's, yes. That's that's just in California. That's only California. Right. And again, that was through the medical market because that was the only way it was legal. But $180 million worth in 2016. Now, because of the government red tape, only 28 companies have the most basic state license to put marijuana in a brownie. One of the guys uh, who watches over this, an industry expert, a CEO of Harborside, says that this is basically an extinction event for 75% of the existing edible marijuana industry. So you think about who does that hurt? Well, it hurts a lot of small businesses. A lot of people that were in business making these edibles are are now actually reaching back to the government for a handout because they've been put out of business because of all the bureaucracy. We'll get into some of those stories when we come back and your chance at $1,000. Brought to you by... Cunning Dental. If you've got... Poo mouth. Dodger Stadium mouth. Ooh, Dodger Stadium uh, sewage mouth. Yeah, that's a good one. Give Cunning Dental a call for a free exam. 888-640-SMILE. I think you're a great guy. They'll check out your third baseline. Well, you're one of the few who thinks I'm a great guy. That's not true. You know, people just need to get to know you better. He's my hero. Is that my wife? Yeah. That's the other person that likes you. Oh. Oh, she was talking about when I was wearing my bird shirt. I think she was actually talking about Gary Johnson. Oh. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. (laughs) Gary and Shannon. We're going to do uh, Watch and Watch on Wednesday at the bottom of the hour. Talk about some TV stuff. Also, an announcement of a, a guest we're going to have on next week, which will be a lot of fun. But in the meantime, let's give away $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. And remember, answer the phone even if it's from a number you do not recognize because that's what Jake and Little Rock did, Angela and San Clemente, Bob and Canyon Country, Michael and Riverside, Leaf and Moreno Valley. They all answered that uh, number and they all won. $1,000. you got another chance to win $1,000 coming up an hour from now, all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show tonight. In fact, 5A to 7P, Monday through Friday, right we, here on KFI. We're telling you about the $180 million cannabis edible market back in 2016 in the state of California and how now that has just shrunken. It's put a lot of business out, a lot of people out of business because the government came in. They put up a bunch of red tape. And bureaucracy has crippled the industry. Gina Golden is one of the people who has been making her living for a long time, making her Island Queen cannabis-infused granola. Hmm. She's now making her granola in her home kitchen in Oakland. So you can understand how that would be kind of hard to do. Hard to run a business out of your home kitchen, right? She used to use a commercial kitchen. She's been doing this for 12 years, making her golden goddess line of edibles. Well, last year, the city of Oakland decided that Gina's rental commercial kitchen space 
is ineligible for a license to make legal edibles. So she stopped renting the space. She doesn't know what's next. She says she took pride in being self-sustaining, not collecting food stamps, not becoming a dependent on the system. She found this avenue where she could put her skills to use, and she was making do. Now she's going to the government with her handout, probably, because the government has put up too much red tape. If you remember back when uh, medical marijuana was first legalized in California, it, it created I, I, what's described as a gray market. And if you were in the business of making edibles for the medical market, this was a dream scenario because you could launch this process. You could launch your business in just your home kitchen or a very small rentable kitchen, little more than some pot, some recipes, and just a word of mouth, basically. The problem with it, I mean, the negative side of that was you had dosing that was off. There was labeling the issues that were all over the place. Packaging standards were not up to snuff. And sometimes some of those edibles would end up in the wrong hands, namely the, the hands of kids. So when the state legalizes all of this and makes it recreational and, and uh, makes recreational pot legal, it then comes with a whole slew of regulation. The the business went from no barriers to entry to bigger barriers than regular businesses. Most cities have banned cannabis kitchens. Um, The few places that allow these kitchens are in tiny slivers of industrial zones. Most business costs are burying these chefs. Now takes hundreds of thousands of dollars to get an edibles business off the ground. And if you're one of those who had an edibles business before it was uh, recreationally legalized, legalized recreationally, There were, we saw this problem within the city of L.A. specifically and L.A. County in general. There were rules in place where basically you could not sell recreational pot using the same criteria that we were using to get a license to sell medical pot. So you either shut down, you either uh, completely stayed away from the recreational market, which would have been crazy because you knew it was such a moneymaker, or you waited Basically, and one of the problems with these small businesses is they can't just pause what they're doing. Some of them did have enough product, for example, to sort of uh, freeze it, put it away, store it and get ready for their licenses to be approved so that they could reopen again. But others simply are small enough or too small that that's not a it's not a feasible thing. It's not a feasible option for them. If Gina is finding these hurdles in Oakland, what does that mean for other cannabis entrepreneurs in the in the rest of the state? When you think about liberal and the Bay Area and Oakland, I mean, she can't keep her her cannabis kitchen going, but they can uh, have these slumlords putting hundreds of people housed in warehouses with no fire exits. Things it's going to be a rough go for the the cannabis owner in you know uh, Riverside or whatever. Yeah. Oakland has the most severe cannabis tax structure in the state. Takes ten percent of every dollar a recreational cannabis business makes. That's far higher than the excise tax on any other industry in Oakland. Right. So if you get if you do get back into the edibles business, if you do start producing this stuff, you then have to deal with those ridiculous taxes, which could be as high as forty six and a quarter percent based on their math here. Uh, And you're up against people who are going to sell it then on the black market and not have to pay those taxes. So here's what has to happen. And state lawmakers need to figure this out and and do it quickly. Uh, California can avert the extinction, according to experts, of its edible producers 
with more local permitting, more licenses for things like shared kitchen space, right? Multiple small brands can share equipment. There can be oversight over a number of these chefs. No, I, I feel like this is one of those uh, wrinkles in the process that will work itself out. I think soon so enough. too. It's just frustrating for people that have made their money doing this for so long, and now suddenly, and this, you know, these aren't necessarily black market pot makers. No, you know what I mean. These are people that have been operating under the medical marijuana rules for decades. Uh, I was talking to somebody from out of state who was surprised to hear that in LA County we have two recreational pot shops yeah two you know in the state i mean we have more than that obviously but here because of the rules we have and it's march two i i knew january 2nd there might not be places that had caught up with all the regulations and everything but by the end of march you would think more people would come online huge backlog all right what you watching wednesday when we come back to gary and shannon the following program is brought to you in living color. What you watching in there? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. USA television much better. You've been watching too many of those live television shows. Gary and Shannon. Top of the hour. We're going to get into this story about uh, Corey Feldman. We have a couple calls out to Mr. Feldman and his people. Apparently uh, was stabbed. Not, 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 not stabbed. Not stabbed. What do you mean not stabbed? The LAPD refers to this as a jabbing, not a stabbing. Okay. Well, we'll break it's down a, the semantics coming up at eleven about important uh, difference. How it all went down. But first, Wednesday means what you watch in Wednesday. Oh. <laughs> oh, and that's the sound of Westworld news. <laughs> Nobody gets that excited unless we're talking about Westworld. What? Door! All right. April 22nd, I think, is the exact day that we're going to see season two kick off for the HBO show Westworld. And uh, they've already started their uh, press day and all of their press junket information. And Evan Rachel Wood, you know, plays Dolores... I'm surprised you weren't at this junket. <laughs> Believe me, I tried. Uh, she said when she got the first script for episode one of season two, she said she was blown away. She thought, okay, well, let's see how we ease back into this. But she says they waste no time. I mean, we hit the ground running in a way I don't think anybody saw coming. I don't even... I... I cannot imagine where they're going to go with this. Because when that last episode for season one aired and Maeve was leaving the park, park, you want to call it that? But then coming back, Dr. Ford was out and back. Bernard figured out he was Arnold. Arnold figured out he was Bernard. Uh, the company, it's coming into all the investors. Are, I mean, listen, there's I have no idea where they're going to go. And I well, I, I, didn't we leave off with the robots taking on more human tendencies and yes. the reveries and they're remembering things and they realize that they are the toys and the rich people's vacation slaughter fantasies and they started to want to take back their robot lives and isn't it going to be the robots versus the humans maybe? Yes, but as we've seen so many times before in the first season – 
they they would give us little carrots. We thought they would go down one rabbit mm-hmm. trail, and they'd go completely the opposite way. This is true. Like Bernard slash Arnold. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect and example. Anthony Hopkins. Where did we leave off with him? Dead. A hole in the back of <laughs> but his head. Wa- but was he dead? Yeah. Was that a robot? We don't right. know. You guys are right. blowing my mind right. right now. I bet it was. I don't think that was the real Anthony Hopkins. Wait, I think that- didn't, didn't Anthony Hopkins say after season one that that was the only season he was going to be in? Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe it was the real person then. But but see, that's even even the actors in the speeches that they've been giving or the, the discussion about their show... They have been misleading. I don't know if that's well, the right word. Well, they, that's they've sort been throwing way... out red herrings when it comes to what it is we need to because pay attention to. Because I don't to. think they know what's in store for them the whole way through. And that's Possibly. also like a Game of Thrones or a Walking Dead. Right. Like they're not. I guarantee you, they have NDAs or something that tells you they can't give away details. Right. Yeah. Well, I have exciting news. Get it? You're pregnant. No. Okay. Exciting wouldn't be the adjective I'd use for that. Alarming. Alarming. Alarming might be close. Shocking. Life ending. Um, Come on. Was that too much? Yes, that was too much. Oh. (laughs) But go on. Connie Britton, one of your favorites. Oh, Oh, I call her cons. Tammy Taylor. (laughs) Tammy Taylor is going to star in a podcast I believe I told you about not very long ago. It's called Dirty John. It was an L.A. Times investigative story, and then it got turned into a podcast. And it's all about a woman from Orange County, Deborah Newell, who she's a successful woman, middle-aged, I believe early 50s. And she's kind of dabbling in the dating world, and she meets this guy, and he's too good to be true, but he's got these, like, issues, but she's kind of just glossing over them because he's she's attracted to him, and he treats her well, and and you can see where this is going, right? You can see that, that he's going to end up being a bad guy, and the problem is, is she's got these three daughters, and she's got all these family and friends in the successful business, and his manipulation... Uh, of her and of the situation is cinematic. It, you're listening to the podcast, you're reading through the LA Times story, and you're thinking, holy hell, this is a movie. Yeah. Um, well, it is going to be a Bravo true crime anthology series now, Dirty John. Connie Britton's going to star as the female lead. Now, when I'm listening to the podcast, I, I have a problem uh, with gullible people. Um, I am so cynical. I believe in so the bad things uh, really e- more easily than I believe in the good things. And I know that's a character flaw. But when I'm faced with somebody who's going to be Connie Britton in this story, who is constantly believing in the good, constantly giving people second chances, explaining away behavior, it drives me freaking mad. And, and this is what happened in the podcast. And, and one of the daughters... Um, uh, one of Deborah Newell's daughters just doesn't like this guy from the beginning. And she faces off with him every chance she can get. She doesn't mince words. She's a little bulldog. And uh, she's one of the great characters. And all the, all the daughters are great characters, as are the family members of this guy, who seems to have been born a really bad seed. And his family members, he had two sisters, and they had tried repeatedly to help him out, uh, like when he was getting out of prison, <laughs> um, how to set him down the, the straight and narrow, and he kept screwing with them. Anybody who wanted to do him good, he just had this vendetta out against women. Um, and it's it's a fascinating character study 
from a variety of of of, um, of angles. And we already know that this is going to be a two season uh, order for Bravo, the TV channel. And Connie Britton is actually going to serve also as an executive producer on the show. You know, Bravo does a really good show with its scripted material. Yes, they do. I watch a show called Imposters on Bravo, and it's really good. I, I applaud everything Bravo does. Yeah. I, and when what? is Southern Charm coming back? Isn't That's it on? It's know. on right now. Is it? <laughs> yes. It came back already. I think so. And what about Below Deck? <laughs> no, I don't watch that one. I don't know. What do you mean I think you don't watch that? I think that's a summer one, though. <sighs> Isn't wow, it? Wow, that was a sigh of disapproval. Well, yeah, was... I thought I knew Monica. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I just need to binge it. Oh, by the way, you guys mentioned Westworld, which is on HBO. Have you been watching Here and Now at all? No. What's that about? It's about a, dis- a very dysfunctional family, but the couple adopts kids from all over the place. So they've got four kids. One is biological. And it just talks about their lives. And this one uh, son is kind of almost, we think he's schizophrenic because he starts seeing stuff. He starts seeing eleven eleven everywhere. But then the dad starts seeing it. And there's parallels with his psychiatrist. So it's really, it's, it's really good. Never heard of it. Yeah. Tim Robbins, Holly Hunter. Again? Oh, uh, yes. Here and now. Here My and wife now. Has, here now that you mentioned that, Tim yeah. Robbins show. It's yes. good. My wife has started watching that. Uh, Walking Dead information to tell you about. And also, did you catch Roseanne last night? No, I meant Ooh. to, but I didn't have time. I'll, I'll look at it today. Uh, the John Goodman character is not dead. I'll explain how they came up with the decision to <laughs> not kill him, uh, even though at the end of season eight, he died. It's a strange. It's like anyway. Anthony Hopkins. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, or, or, or you know, uh, Stefano. Oh, Stefano Tamara. Sometimes they die. Sometimes they come back. It's what you watch on Wednesday. That was was quite the (laughs) reference. The pullback, yeah. Gary and Shannon will continue with what you watch on Wednesday in just a moment. Get into Swamp Watch at 1230 and talk about some news out of Washington. The president had some comments about uh, the Second Amendment. If you remember yesterday, we talked about the former Supreme Court justice who talked about repealing the Second Amendment. Also, he was talking about the relationship with North Korea, and he believes that Kim Jong-un is going to do what's right. right for humanity. Love it. Do you? Who doesn't want to do something that's right for you, man? Also, Stormy Daniels' lawyer taking another step to get President Trump deposed. We'll tell you all the latest coming out of there. Tried to do this just now. Just a quick what you're watching Wednesday note. Savannah Guthrie dropped the S-bomb on TV today. Mm. She didn't mean to, but I was trying to. I couldn't get it, and I couldn't edit it, and I don't want Blake to have a heart attack, so I'm not going to play it. But she was taping <laughs> today, today. and uh, she accidentally cursed. She's reading over her notes in preparation for her next segment. And I think everybody who has a live microphone in front of them on a regular basis has is terrified this. Of, of this of this happening and has had it happen in some time. I mean, it's like it's like people who ride motorcycles. There's either people who have crashed or people who will crash. I'm just glad that when it happened for me, it was in the middle of the day in Chico, California. Mine was also in Chico. And Bruce Sessions was the one who caught it. <laughs> Uh, was Slats still working with him as his phone screener? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, she she says, she says, once the show ended, she took to Twitter to poke fun at herself. 
she also apologized to uh, to the viewers who caught it. Again, she was going over her notes and then says, oh, S. I can't even imagine her cussing. I don't. Yeah, that, she does not, that doesn't seem like it's her funny. speed. But. Yesterday we were talking about uh, Assemblywoman Christina Garcia. We'll give you an update on that story today. But she was doing an interview, I believe, with KQED. And we went through it. And she was bragging about her favorite words being S and F. Yeah. And I thought that was just so crass and gross. And you're a sitting Assemblywoman. What are you doing? Um, but. When I heard the Savannah Guthrie story, I kind of her likability for me went up a little bit because she comes across on screen for me at least as almost too perfect. Like she just seems so sweet and just so perfect, and she never makes a misstep kind of person. That the fact that she accidentally swore made me like her even more. Yeah, you gotta have a little little dirty edge, I suppose. Uh, Walking Dead saw another modest increase in its ratings over the weekend, not enough to stop 60 Minutes. We told you about the interview with uh, Stormy Daniels and Anderson Cooper was the highest ratings that 60 Minutes has had in the last 10 years. And it turned out to be a giant uh, iceberg lettuce sandwich. There was absolutely nothing to it. But uh, Walking Dead had been seeing some uh, some ratings drop off for a while, and they've finally picked it back up. Uh, quick, uh, not retraction, but clarification. Monica, Southern Charm starts Thursday, April 5th. Oh, oops. That's from Christine on Facebook. Maybe it's just because I've been seeing the promo re- so much. Well, and they've been replaying previous seasons. Oh. But it hasn't okay. been a fresh season yet. Uh. Last, last night, ABC, uh, they started the ninth season, is how they're calling it, the ninth season of Roseanne, and uh, talked a lot about politics. There was issues of, uh, I only saw, in all honesty, the last 15 minutes of it or so, because I forgot it was going to be on. Uh, but it was a... Like a cross-dressing nine-year-old, I guess. Yeah, uh, Darlene's um, son. Yeah, Roseanne and and Dan's grandson. Do we say cross-dressing ever again? What what am I supposed to? Well, if the kid is a male that uh, identifies as a female, don't we just say dressing? I mean, they just haven't gone that far yet. Yeah, I don't think they've put an actual label on it. Okay. Um, But they referred to the episode starting with the joke about Roseanne thinking Dan was dead. (laughs) <laughs> and I'd heard this promo before where she says, I thought you were dead. And he goes, why do people keep saying that all the time? And it was because at the end of season eight yep. to end the what they thought at the time was going to be the end of the series, they had to kill off John Goodman's character. Yeah, they give him a heart attack or something. Yeah, right? so they can't just bring him back without... Without mentioning it. it. So yeah. they figured that was the best way to do it was that's right pretty, off the bat. Funny. And then just ignore it for the rest of the time. Right. I mean, that's, that's perfectly fine. They addressed it later in the episode. He found some script or something in the garage. Apparently, Roseanne killed off the main male character. Oh. And he said, that would have made some real money or something like that. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Are we going to play uh, the Mega yeah. Millions lottery? Oh, no. Why? Well, because it's going to be a $502 million oh, jackpot for tomorrow, uh, Friday night. Why not? Okay. That'd be good. Are we going to play it as a show? No. Wow, that's a strong no face. Well, we <laughs> could. We might have to set up some parameters. Though. There's but literally I, five of us. All right. I also wanted to play this before we ended. Um, so today, and I and I understand that uh, the Woody Show is on vacation right now. So whatever we heard this morning was uh, was a repeat. So thank you, Casper, for that on Twitter for letting us know that. Not that it takes away the sting, but they were referring to names, names that are bad. Like they said, for example, Chad. Anybody who's named. Chad mm. is a bad person. Nobody can think of a good Chad. Um, and then, and then they said this: All Garys are bad. I'm 41 Gary. and have never met a good one.
Um, that cut deep. That cut a lot deeper than whatever Corey Feldman had happened to his abdomen. Did it cut deeper than when your wife asked the question, who looks at a newborn baby and says, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? (laughs) Corey Feldman. Was he stabbed or was he jabbed? We'll get into all the details out of Hollywood when we come back. Gary and Shannon. Follow us on social media at Gary and Shannon. Uh, we'll get into a few things a little bit later in this hour, including the uh, the executions in California. We are one step closer to resuming the death penalty. Not going to happen. <clears throat> uh, but we'll talk about how it is we got a little bit closer court-wise. Also, uh, the reason that the Dodger game had to be called short last night was because of who? Staying on top of a suspicious package investigated at a mail facility in Northeast D.C. Of course, this was after the arrest of a man for sending several suspicious packages to military installations in the D.C. area. But the big news locally that we all woke up to this morning circles around Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman claims he was stabbed last night. Mm. He's been hospitalized. He says a total stranger stabbed him in the abdomen, then escaped. He said he was stopped at a traffic light last night in the valley. He had a security guard with him. We'll get to that later. Three men, he says, approached the car. He says while his security was distracted by the three guys, a car pulls up. Another attacker jumps out, stabs him, and takes off. Corey is rushed to the hospital after the attack. That's when the LAPD was called in, and they are now investigating. Corey says he thinks he knows who's responsible. He says he's been getting online threats from some group of people he refers to as the Wolf Pack. Uh, The Wolf Pack, he says, is this group of Hollywood thugs. I mean, is that an appropriate term, perhaps, that's trying to silence him? He has been incredibly vocal about the amount of abuse and victimization that's gone on in Hollywood. When he was a child actor, when his good friend Corey Haim was a child actor, a lot of this came out when he was being interviewed, if you remember, by Santa Barbara County Sheriff's deputies as they were investigating Michael Jackson. And Corey Feldman unleashed a list of names to the detectives that still exist. I mean, that list exists somewhere uh, and apparently there's a tape recording of that interview when he when he names names as well 20 years ago, 25 years ago. He blames Corey Hames' death. Of course, the two Corys came up in Hollywood together uh, on on the drug use that really was the hallmark of Corey Hames' life and, and ended up claiming his life all on a, a sexual assault when, when Corey Hames was a little boy. So he's seemed to have a lot of answers, um, at least alleged answers to a lot of questions about Corey Haim and his untimely death. Well, early this morning, law enforcement sources spoke to TMZ. This was just after 6 a.m. And they said, well, although Corey Feldman claims he was stabbed, there's no evidence of a laceration. There's no cut to his abdomen. Um, Cops told the, the TMZ 
reporters that they didn't know if Corey suffered any other injuries, but there was nothing visible on his body. Again, not not that it didn't happen, just somebody wasn't a very good cutter, I guess. Corey told the police the attacker appeared to be following him, and whatever the person allegedly stabbed him with was long and sharp. TMZ reported that Corey Feldman feared it was a syringe and went to the hospital right away to make sure he hadn't been injected with something. So he may have been jabbed if that was a... I mean, because the LAPD originally said it wasn't a stabbing, it was a jabbing. Maybe. And if that's the case, I could understand the discrepancy between the two. The latest report from TMZ through law enforcement is that Corey told police he believed he was being followed. And at some point, Corey's bodyguard, who was a passenger in his car, shined a flashlight toward the other car. And then at the next light, one of the guys in the car that was following Corey got out, confronted the bodyguard. Another guy went to the driver's side, and Corey says the guy stabbed him with a syringe or other sharp object, then took off. Cops now say there is some sort of mark on Corey's abdomen, but are not calling it a laceration. And that cops now believe this was a road rage incident. Um, I like the picture. Oh, yeah. No, what were you going to say? I would like the picture of Corey Feldman in the hospital bed. This one? Because in in his left hand, he's holding on with dear life to a vape pen. That's my question. I have a question about that. What's in the vape? I don't. No, no, I don't know. I don't care what's in it. My question is, do hospitals allow vape pens? Well, he is Corey Feldman. That doesn't answer the question. I don't know. If I walked in there with a pack of cigarettes and, uh, you know, cracked out a, a Marlboro 100, Am I going to be kicked out of the emergency room? Yes. Or are they going to tell me to stop smoking? Yes. So, but can he have a vape pen? A vape thing? Vape box? Vape? Vape? Vapor? Vaping? Um, I'm not sure. I think you can do it in a stealthy way. I, th- I think that you could vape in the hospital without many people knowing. Bizarre. Um, he has tweeted a couple of times. The first was the very early this morning when he wrote that he was in the hospital. He was attacked, uh, that he describes his version of it, that uh, somebody opened the car door and stabbed him with something. He says the LAPD currently investigating the case as an attempted homicide. I have had mounting threats on all social media platforms by this vile wolf pack, he puts in quotes. And this, I'm sure, is a result of those negative actions. I have reason to believe it's all connected. Enough is enough. How sick are these people? And um, he then retweeted a couple of different versions of the story from different news outlets. Uh, I don't I don't know exactly what's going on with Corey Feldman. I've had that same sentiment in my head for decades. I don't know what's going on with Corey Feldman. Clearly, he is a uh, worst case scenario, one of the worst case scenarios for childhood actors. I mean, you can tell he was screwed with when he was a kid. And he said so. He said as yeah, much. Yeah, he said as much. And he just seems like he's all like Corey Haim always seemed like one week away from uh, death. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Feldman, I, I feel like is is pretty been pretty close to the edge for a long time. Well, and here's the thing. Corey Feldman, you remember when he came out with his uh, band, the Angels or whatever it was, and he did a, a couple of songs on the Today Show, if I'm not mistaken, or Good Morning America, something like that. He got kind of raked over the coals for that because it... He, it seemed like he was on something. Yeah. I the A guy like this who, as far as I've seen, especially since that episode, 
has been nothing but trying to spy, uh, trying to spread positivity, right? I mean, that's his big deal. Is he's trying to spread positivity here? But with his past and with the difficulties that he's faced, anything like this, even if it is just a road rage incident, is going to is going to play into his own paranoia about the world around him. Let me just tell you his start in life. Uh, In his autobiography, he says his father was mostly absent in his life. His dad was a bassist. He was part of a one-hit wonder group, Strawberry Alarm Clock. Oh, yeah. Um, And he would get high with his son, Corey Feldman. Most of the rearing went to mom. Mom, by the way, former Playboy model, who would belittle Corey Feldman about his weight. She would force feed him diet pills. The two split up when Feldman was 11. He was bullied all the time by his classmates. He took a gun from his grandfather's gun collection, kept it under his bed, and he used to hold it to his head every night and say, God, why am I so ugly? Why am I so fat? He says he hated himself, wanted to kill himself. He was introduced to pot and alcohol on the set of Stand By Me. Remember how young he was then? Um, He says his father who was managing him, at one point hired an assistant named Ron. Corey Feldman says Ron introduced him to drugs and molested him. That's just in the first, what, 13 years of his life? This, by the way, was uh, Strawberry Alarm Clock's big hit, Incense and Peppermint. Good reason. I mean, he did coke for a long time. He did acid, mushrooms. Who knows what long-term drug use like that can do to your brain chemistry? I mean, alcohol alone can alter everything. So, well, I, listen, I only have hopeful thoughts. Me for the guy. too. I, I mean, love Corey Feldman. It's just he seems like he's just spiraling into a lot of mental instability. Nick, where are we with getting Corey Feldman? In? Studio here oh, oh he's here? No, I did oh. talk to his manager, though, oh, really? uh, about an hour or what, like 20 minutes ago. Yeah. And? Uh, he's out of the hospital. Okay. He's a little uh, dazed and uh, not sure what's going on. But, um, well, we'll have maybe, him any time. Yeah, we're trying to get him on soon. So yeah. we've, uh, I want to give him a hug. To a few people. So, All right. Uh, when we come back, a continuation of what we were talking about yesterday. Remember Christina Garcia, the assemblywoman, uh, is currently sitting on the bench waiting for an investigation into her um, sexual misconduct allegations. Well, now uh, now some uh, some Democrats are upset with uh, her very honest admission that she has used some choice words to describe colleagues. Talk about that. Plus, your chance to win $1,000 coming up from Cunning Dental. Bleeding gums. You got Dodgers third baseline sewer in your mouth. Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. 888-640-SMILE. Keep listening. We'll tell you how you can win. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. <laughs> Could be a step closer to resuming executions in the state of California. We'll tell you about the latest court decision about that. But first, $1,000 to give away. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200.
And if you win, they will give you a phone call. But, man, if you don't answer that, you are going to be upset because they'll move on to somebody who will answer. California Assemblywoman Christina Garcia told the Associated Press that she is upset and frustrated that the investigation into her groping young male aides has stretched for nearly two months. Oh, no. Is that why she's going on uh, public radio to sound like an asshat? <laughs> Some of my favorite words, and I don't know if I can see them on the radio, uh, are sh- and f- Oh, great. So mm. we know this is what we're working with that here. Lovely. Uh, one of the questions from the reporter the other day uh, was whether or not she'd ever used the word homo. I can't remember, but I wouldn't be surprised if I used that word. Okay. I can't remember, but I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, she has admitted that she did use the word homo to describe then-Assembly Speaker John Perez. Wait a minute. You mean the John Perez? The one who was the first Assembly Speaker to be a gay man? Why, yes. That's Thame John Perez, who is gay. And she called him a homo. And he's gay. And she said homo. Wait, wait, wait. The reason she said it was because she was angry. That doesn't make it better. No, it does. It says, I did make that remark in a moment of anger. I have no reason to lie it's about like something. It's like hitting your true. kid. <laughs> what? It's worse when you do it in anger. Uh, well, yeah, that's the part I don't understand. She wrote a statement to apologize. She said, She's an idiot. I realize that words can be harmful. I humbly and sincerely apologize to Mr. Perez and any member of the LGBTQ community who feels offended by the comment. But she says, um, in no way was my use of that term to belittle Mr. Perez for his sexuality. Well, how else would you use it? Her explanation for every misstep she's been accused of making has been ridiculous. You know, do you, you're, there's an allegation that you have a keg in your office. There's a lot of drinking that goes on there. Well, yeah, I have a keg, but other people have one too. Okay. All right. We're now we're in kindergarten and we're going to use that excuse. Right. The fact of the matter is you were elected to office to represent a large swath of California, and you don't take that seriously. So much so, you have a keg in your office. You've got spin the bottle going on after hours in your office. You're grabbing ass of AIDS left and right, and you're going on national radio to talk about your favorite words being S and F. That does not a lawmaker make. That is an embarrassment. And the fact of the matter that she threw her name in the hat as one of the the leaders as a woman up there during this Me Too movement to abolish this kind of behavior uh, for, of men at the Capitol is disgusting. The fact that she knew she knows who she is. She knows that she's doing keg stands and drinking beers with young male aides after hours. And yet she wants to be the face of the Me Too movement for women in Sacramento. Keg stands. That's the that's the best visual I have is keg stands in some some capital office where she's furthermore she's encouraging young male aides to hold her legs up while she's oh upside boy. down over the that's keg. a that's a nice one furthermore Spitting how Bud Light through her nostrils how many other state lawmakers have kegs in their office uh, out of 120 members of the Senate yeah. and Assembly yeah I'm gonna go with 115 really <laughs> in all honesty probably a dozen. A dozen, maybe. And it depends on the size of their office, too, because a keg can Why? Why would you have a keg in your office other than sending the message that you're there to party and not there to do your job? 
it's one thing to have a couple beers in your refrigerator, a bottle of whiskey or whatever. Or for, even even Mad Men. Yeah, you've got your little crystal set sure, up there. And sure, sure. That's and one thing for when the, for when the uh, occasion arises. Say you and I have, have been in the past gotten good news about the show or whatever. And right. so we're like, oh, let's have a beer, right? That's one thing. But having a keg in the office really shows, hey, we're here to party. Anytime you want to come in, hey, this beer ain't going to sit forever. Let's get this done. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't sit forever. No. So how much of them you that have, beer were they exactly. drinking? You got to have some turnover on that thing. Um, now, just to recap, she took a leave of absence last month and is still considered on that leave of absence because of these allegations of groping. Uh, a guy who used to work for another Democratic assemblyman said that Assemblywoman Garcia grabbed his butt and tried to grab his crotch in the dugout after a legislative softball game, and then also was alleged that he was another guy was fired from assemblywoman garcia's office a few years ago after he questioned her suggestion to play a game of spin the bottle after a fundraiser and remember she says the only time she ever talks about sex is in the context of legislation as it makes its way through the office remember she's the one who wants to uh she wants to outlaw stealthing because it's a big issue in the 38th Coming up next, it looks like one hurdle to resume executions in California has been crossed over. Uh, How that's not nearly enough when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. There was a good mystery story coming out of South Florida. There was a guy who owed a half a million dollars in child support. Uh, And I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I'm just going to go out on my paddleboard for a while, bruh. And that was the last thing anybody heard from him saying, that's it. He's gone. Disappeared. Or is he? Into the ether. Or is he? Is he what? Gone. He may be, uh, He may be on an island with Tupac. Doubt it. I don't think Tupac would have done off the coast of Florida, but that's just. Hey, uh, execution news. Rosendo Rodriguez turned 38 on Monday, and on Tuesday they put him to death in the state of Texas. Uh, the death chamber in Huntsville, seventh this year in the United States, the fourth in Texas, has executed, of course, more inmates than any state since the death penalty was reinstated back in 76. They had filed a last ditch appeal to spare. Mr. Rodriguez's life, trying to uh, question the integrity and the findings of medical examiners relating to the autopsy on the victim, in this case, a 29-year-old woman, Summer Baldwin. Baldwin's body was found in a suitcase in a Lubbock landfill about uh, 13 years ago. A police investigation found the suitcase had been recently purchased and paid for by a debit card belonging to Rosendo Rodriguez. Her blood was later found in a hotel room where he had stayed. He was called the suitcase killer. He was arrested. He confessed to police. Uh, his statement was, uh, we're religious in nature to begin with. Today is the day I join my God and Father. The state may have my body, but not my soul. And then he says, I want everyone to boycott every single business in the state of Texas until all the businesses are pressed to stop the death penalty. I don't know if he knows this, but... 
Businesses hate murderers. Yeah. They don't like people who kill people. It's a weird thing. Cuts down on their uh, on their bottom line. Speaking of the death penalty, a judge yesterday in Sacramento lifted his own court's previous order blocking California from carrying out death sentences by lethal injection. But this is far from no. from making the death penalty a reality no, in California. No, I guess this is like a small speed bump in front of about 20 other roadblocks that are set up between us and the death penalty resumption here in the United uh, here in California. Uh, he ruled six years ago, this Judge Roy Chernus, that the state failed to follow proper procedures when it set standards for conducting executions using three drugs. Now, we approved Prop 66 last November, which did away with the requirement that the state follow these procedures. Was it last November or before that? I think it was before that. Um, Chernus said that that left him with no alternative but to dissolve the permanent injunction. The point of Prop 66 was to speed up the process, to, to, to break down some of these barriers that exist between the state's law for executions and the court fights that have been holding it up for a long time. But the case in Marin County, this one, is just one of four that are holding up executions. And we cannot have, we cannot resume any executions until all of the cases are resolved. Here's the thing. The 2016 voter-approved ballot measure attempted to remove regulatory hurdles to executions. That was, I saw I was right, it was two years ago. And the 750 inmates almost that are on death row right now, I don't think they're ever going to be executed. No. I, I just think that California has reached a point where it's going to be gridlocked over the death penalty, even if the vast majority, I shouldn't say vast, but even if the majority of people vote to... Uh, keep the death penalty to keep it in place. There is not a political appetite to actually enforce that law, and I think people are willing to keep it tied up in the courts until we just get tired of it and realize that it's just too expensive a way to deal out justice in this state. Then, are we going to continue to put people on death row and pay the exorbitant cost of doing that? For now, yes. I mean, that, but that's, that makes that's the unfortunate part, because yeah. each of these people, 750 uh, on death row, almost 13 have been executed since 1978. And it's been 12 years since we've seen an execution in California. I don't see years. the pendulum swinging the other way in California no. forever, unless there's some sort of breaking up of California. And and it's not. Here's the thing. I'm in favor of the death penalty. I I, I always have been. It's it's a I, I think it's a a thing that is an acceptable use of lethality. But we just don't see, I don't see the ACLU, uh, I don't see lawyers groups, doctors groups who have gotten involved in this. They're not going to give up the fight because they want to They want to make sure that we never see another execution in the state of California. So, I mean, we've got inmates on death row who have filed lawsuits against all of this. There was, in fact, a lawsuit that was filed just last month in Marin County by a guy uh, and a nonprofit organization, Witness to Innocence, that challenges the execution rules that we've got. So if, if for example, the state has to go through the normal time-consuming regulatory process for procedures that relate to executions that were not specifically exempted by the ballot measure. So if, if an inmate wasn't crazy before they were sentenced, but becomes crazy while they're in jail, then they have to figure out, is that something that 
exonerates them to the point where they then get transferred from a death penalty to life in prison sentence. They have to go through the process, uh, the procedure of figuring out who would be a witness to an execution. Where do you dispose of a body once it's been executed? Uh, all of the property that belonged to that criminal, that inmate, that that murderer. What happens to all that stuff? All right. Well, the finale between the Freeway series, Angels, Dodgers, exciting exhibition fun was cut short. Hopefully that's all the crap we'll see on the field (laughs) stadium. I mean, I I, I just came up with it. But you know who didn't come up with anything cute like that? Yes. Charlie freaking Steiner. He like he couldn't even say sewage. It was like it, it was like it was too lowbrow for him to even come close to describing what was a sewage spill at Dodger Stadium. Well, that's too bad. Charlie's a good name. Gary's a bad name. All Garys are bad. I'm 41 and have never met a good one. You're gonna need to let that go. I'm just saying. All right. I, didn't, I, I think didn't you're like, gonna be happier if you let that go. I didn't like that Ravy laughed at it too. Did you hear about that that Dodger dog preview downstairs? Yeah, except yeah. that it's not Dodger dogs. Oh, it's not. Mm-mm. Oh. Yeah, don't let them fool you. Have you had a Dodger dog yet? I haven't. I oh, haven't even been to a Dodger Monica. game yet. I cannot wait for Thursday, tomorrow. <laughs> I'm excited. I did buy She's... some Dodger t-shirts. I'm excited. No, no, no. no. Those yeah, are yeah. Great. No, I'm those excited to go to games. Here. Listen, those are great and all. Yeah. But the, the t-shirts. <laughs> but the Dodger dogs are like bites from heaven. They're so good. So good. Get some spicy mustard in there. And I will tell you, a Dodger dog at Dodger Stadium takes on a whole new level of experience. It's not. Yeah, you can't buy them at Albertsons. No. You got to go to the stadium and eat the dog. You know, you got to stand in the concession line for 45 innings. (laughs) And then once you get the cold Dodger dog, that's when you savor it. Mm. America. My mouth is watering right now. All right, we'll talk about that game last night. And how long Shannon will stand in line for a Dodgers dog? Dodger just Dodger dog. That's what I'm trying to say. When we come back, Gary and Shannon will continue. Oh, you check the TV Gary and Shannon. Good news is, clean slate today on the Major League Baseball schedule. Not one team is playing, which means that every team is playing tomorrow. It is the calm. open the season. Before the storm. Finally, Major League Baseball is getting this right, where they have every team start on the same day. Yes. How cool is that? I don't know why they've screwed it up, it seems, so much in the last several years, where they try to get one or two games in Australia, or they get a couple of games on Sunday before the Monday start, or what. I don't love the fact that it's on a a Thursday, but it's fine. I'll take it. One of the great things, I think, uh, to watch at sporting events are the grounds crews. We loved the lawnmower man when we were at Chargers training camp. (laughs) How the guys would finish up practice for the day. They would go in. The field would be empty when it was just once bustling with action moments ago. And out comes a man and his lawnmower. And what exactly was he mowing? I mean, he did it every day. And he would go up and down the field in a methodical fashion, never a a rush, 
always like three miles per hour. And I got to imagine that that bag was full of nothing. I mean, how much did the grass grow in Costa Mesa? We watched him get tanner and tanner as the days wore on. But it was calming and almost put you in a bit of a trance watching the lawnmower man go up and down the field. I, I enjoy the grounds crews at Dodger Stadium. They trot out there in their pristine khakis, pressed perfection. Their white polos or their their blue pullover jackets, they always look very well put together. Well, last night, those poor boys in their pressed khakis had an S-storm to deal with. (laughs) Literally. Uh, There was two outs in the fifth inning and uh, in the bottom of the fifth inning. Dodgers were ahead 4-3. If I'm not mistaken, Chase Otley was on first base, I think. Um, there's a water main somehow got backed up, whether it was a city water main or a Dodgers water main, whoever took responsibility, I still haven't seen exactly, but there was a pipe underneath the field right along the third baseline, just before the close to the front of the dugout that just started bubbling up. And it's not clear. I mean, just from the pictures, it's not clear if it was actual, uh, what's the word sewage. Black water. I mean, black water. Yeah, I mean, like actual poop in the foam. Right. That's what I mean. I don't know if it was that, but it smelled bad, according to Andrew Tolls, who was in the outfield at the time. And he said, I don't know what it was. I smelled it. It was nasty, man. That may be why Tolls was just uh, optioned. Because he's spilling, he was optioned to triple A. The beans about, uh, about he was the optioned to triple A this morning. Maybe it's because he couldn't deal with the S storm. Charlie Steiner and Rick Monday were in front of the microphones at the time. As the information comes pouring in, uh, <laughs> it's a water main break. They're trying to figure out if it's a water main break at the stadium or the city. Well, whatever it is, it's you know that's one of those where can we go home now? <laughs> if, this were, if this were Oakland. They're, they're well, used to they're used to that. It's a fair point. The plumbing problems. And, they do have plumbing problems, there, notoriously bad. We didn't see for a while. Are you responsible for this? Uh, they are going to try to blame me for this, but no, they cannot wait, blame wait, me. Wait, wait, wait. They're not going to try. They already have. <laughs> I've never Big seen laugh. anything like this. I don't know if you guys have ever seen anything <laughs> like this, but I have seen outfields where the where the, the sprinklers go the sprinklers have gone yes. off, but not to the extent of this. This is. Let's put it this way. You wouldn't want to walk through that mud right now in shoes. Uh, Because you want to walk around in the crap barefoot, Charlie? That didn't make any sense. Well, to his defense, it was a 32-minute delay that they had to FNS their way through. (laughs) 32-minute delay in the bottom of the fifth. The game was called, giving the Dodgers the 4-3 victory. Uh, Stan Kasten talked about it. says apparently there was a pipe backup on two different levels of the stadium. He says we don't exactly know where the backup was or what caused it. It had something to do with a main pipe here as well as a main pipe outside the stadium. Uh, I was looking up the strangest delays in baseball games. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen weather delays in football. Uh, we've seen... You've we've seen powder at, power outages in the middle of the Super Bowl? <laughs> you saw that firsthand. We've seen wet floors in basketball arenas where they put the floor over a, of a over the ice for a share it with a hockey team, mm-hmm. and the condensation makes the floor wet. There was one in the Grapefruit League between the Cardinals and Astros delayed for several minutes uh, when a car couldn't make it through the center field outfield fence after a between-innings uh, promotion that they had. So they had to wait until this thing 
got out of the field. It's a car. I mean, the entire fence opens up, and for some reason they couldn't get the car out of there. The Oakland Coliseum is notorious for having sewage spills. Uh, it, it floods kind of pretty regularly but usually that's not on the field it's behind the scenes yeah it's it's in the the locker room locker rooms and and the dugouts (laughs) crap everywhere that place should really that that place is like the playboy mansion in terms of time for a teardown there was a um there was also a delay in a baseball game where i was a bat boy the redwood pioneers used to be a single a affiliate of the angels up in roner park up in northern california and when i was about nine years old eight or nine years old I was a bat boy for the team, and I was working the visitors' dugout at the time. And there were two bat boys for every game, and one of us would handle the duties up at the front of the dugout, getting balls for the umpire, getting bats, that sort of thing. And the other guy would have the inning off because you know how grueling it can be to run and grab a bat. Well, while I was sitting at the end of the dugout down towards the first base uh, line, one of the pitching coaches comes to me and says, hey, this rosin bag has too much chalk in it, can you do me a favor and just bang it against this pen, this fence post here and get some of the chalk out of it? Which is ridiculous because that's the point of a rosin bag is to use it to put chalk on your hands to dry your hand out a little bit so you're not sweating all the time. I didn't know that at the age of eight. So here's me banging a rosin bag, which is about the size of a sock, against a fence post, creating a huge cloud of dust. It's just a picture, if you will clapping erasers together in the old chalkboard days. Yep. That's what I was doing at the end of the dugout. To the point where the first base umpire, there were only two umpires doing minor league games, the first base umpire calls timeout in the middle of the game, probably third, fourth inning. There's, I don't know, six, 800 people in the stands watching this game. And he walks over to me and he goes, son, what are you doing? And I said, there's too much chalk in the rosin bag. Oh, God. And he said. Turned into a Simpsons character. And he said, Give me that. And he took it away from me, and he threw it at the at the uh, pitching coach who had told me to do it because everybody on the bench was totally laughing at me. Because I'm an 8-year-old. These guys are, you know, veteran baseball players, some of them. And the coaches, of course, are old enough that they knew better than making an 8-year-old. So I had to delay the game because of my chalk cloud from the rosin bag. That's my story. And now you know why. Now you know why I'm paranoid. That's a sweet story. Thank you. What year did you were you with? The- 84, 85, 86, something like that. So I would have been 11. Sorry, I was an 11-year-old at that time. Mm. So they had just won the California League. They're coming back. Anyway, it doesn't still have my uniform. It still fits. <laughs> All right. We'll clean this up when we come back. A lot to unpack there. Uh. Gary and Shannon, everything that's trending when we return. So why don't you just meet me? In the middle, baby. Why do you just meet me in the middle? Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Have you heard about Vegas making the odds for a fight? Trump v. Biden. It's got to be Trump in the lead, right? Well, I'll have all the odds for you coming up in Swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour. Uh, I don't know why it is, but uh, found out today that the Woody Show hates me. All Garys are bad. I'm 41 and have never met a good one. Yeah. You're going to have to move on from that. Also, um, it's we... not it, it's not personal. They don't even know you. All they know is that they've heard that you're kind of a D. 
mm-hmm. according to you one of them. pretty emphatic that that's what I am. I forgot to mention this during What You Watching Wednesday, by the way. Next Wednesday, during our What You Watching Wednesday segment, we have Louie Anderson coming in. Oh, that's cool. Comedian Louie Anderson, uh, currently seen as uh, Mama Baskets on uh, the TV show Baskets with Zach Galifianakis. Fantastic Are you going to be able to hold yourself together? Because I'm not going to be here. It really doesn't matter at that point. Because your Baskets love is strong. Very strong. It's right up there beneath your Westworld love. My favorite part about Wednesdays is that my daughter has class at night and my wife takes her and I have two hours of nothing but Baskets. They won't watch it with me. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Corey Feldman has been hospitalized and released after reporting an attack by a mystery man. He says that he was stabbed by a man at an intersection in the valley. The cops have failed to find a laceration. They did say there was a a mark. Um, But, of course, Feldman came back into the spotlight last year with claims he was a victim of a Hollywood pedophile ring. And this is what he thinks happened to him. He thinks that this pedophile ring, he calls it a wolf pack, was somehow connected to this attack that maybe they've been ordering an an attempt on his life, uh, something like that. And it wasn't clear if he was stabbed with a knife or a screwdriver or some sharp object or maybe jabbed with something like a hypodermic needle and injected with something. Either way, he went to the hospital. He's been let out. Um, so apparently it wasn't, thankfully, it wasn't a uh, particularly nasty wound. Nick has been on the phone with Feldman's manager this morning. So uh, we have an open invitation for him to come in and eh, talk to us. He wants to do a performance. That's cool, too. Are we set up for that? Actually, we have a studio upstairs. Of course we can. Of course we can have it. If you uh, have been paying attention to the story out of Sacramento, it is uh, continuing to gather steam. It's just the story of a shooting of Stefan Clark, the police shooting of Stefan Clark, a guy who was accused of burglarizing cars, running away from cops, and when they caught up to him and shot him in his grandmother's backyard, he wasn't holding a gun, although there was a report that he did have a gun. He was, in fact, holding a cell phone. Protests have been hot and heavy ever since his death. At a Sacramento City Council meeting last night, hundreds of protesters broke in, disrupted the meeting, then headed towards the Golden One Center, which is their big basketball arena right near downtown Sacramento, and blocked its entrance again. They did the same thing last week, preventing Sacramento Kings fans, all seven of them, from attending an NBA game. Um, It is... I I don't know what's going to happen with this. There's some unique characteristics about this story that are different from the other ones that we've told you about when it comes to shootings. One of them is that the police department released body camera footage and helicopter infrared footage of the shooting so soon after it happened. And I think it was smart for them to do that, showing that they don't have anything to hide. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we've seen the, the the result of it is that these guys, it appears, the officers shot. I mean, they shot 20 times. I don't it was pitch black in that backyard. The question I, is always, well, why didn't they use a taser? Why didn't they send out a police dog? Things like that. These officers were in fear for their life. They saw somebody who had been breaking into cars and somebody who was walking towards them. With his arms outstretched, according to their report. I wonder if they, you, but you said that, and it raised a question in my mind. I wonder if there's going to have to be a regulation where police officers have to have to state out loud that they're in fear for their lives. 
and that the next option is I'm going to shoot you unless you stop what you're doing. I mean, are we going to be to yeah. that point where you where they have to be so careful about what it is that they do? Out of the sick bastard file, a man in Anaheim's been arrested uh, trying to pay to have sex with a four-year-old. Name's Nicholas Castillo, 29 years old, arrested near a home on Woodley in Anaheim where he'd been staying. Uh, The FBI and Santa Ana police serve search warrants at this home, which is also where his fiance lives. Two young children live in the home. Isn't that nice? Oh, wait, there's more. And the home's right next to a preschool. He was a subject of a month-long investigation involving Santa Ana PD and the FBI. There was a tip that came in from someone in the community. So a detective began posing as the mother of a four-year-old child. Investigators say this guy wanted to speak to the undercover detective about paying for sex with a child. He offered $700 for two meetings with the child. Out. Out, like, out Out. of this world. He has forfeited his right to live with the rest of us. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Out. Disgusting. Speaking of disgusting. Have you... Have you gotten rid of your rubber ducky yet? Well, I have a new rubber ducky. I didn't realize that you had more than one, but okay. You want to sing along with Ernie? Rubber ducky, you're the one. Um, there is a, a, a study that showed potentially pathogenic bacteria in four out of five rubber duckies. They were cutting open rubber duckies on the morning news and showing all the, like, mold and sick crap inside of them. Yeah, the uh, Swiss Federal Institute of Aquatic Science and Technology and the University of Illinois published this this uh, study that said there's a strikingly high volume and variety of bacteria and fungus in rubber duckies. Well, as Blake said in the office so uh, astutely, just don't eat the rubber ducky. Yeah, but don't kids put them in their mouths well, and stuff? There's that. Oh, you mean kids have them too? <laughs> you know how you used to do the thing where you would, since it's hollow and it's got the little hole in the sure, bottom, you, you make squeeze it, it, and it, and it spits water, out its mouth. Squirt it back to water yeah. your friends. Isn't that fun? Because you always take baths with your friends. No? I didn't. But you don't you know do, about my life? Yeah, we're not judging. <laughs> not, not judging. Mega Millions is trending because right now the jackpot is up to $502 million. Probably reach closer to about 510 or 512 by the time the numbers are drawn so, on Friday night. Uh, sprinkle me here on, yeah. on your theory about not doing a Mega Millions pool ticket or tickets. Why don't you want to go in with the group? Our friendship is more important than $500 million. So you're afraid that if we played Mega Millions and we won $502 million and I just split it, our friendship would be in peril? You can only go in... All in with friends or alone when it comes to Mega Millions dollars, Mega Millions lottery tickets. Oh, if okay. I go in, mm-hmm. I can only go in now with the people on the show. So you're saying there would be a problem if we had a bunch of tickets here for the show and yes. then you went home and you bought like three tickets for the family. Right. You won on one of those tickets uh-huh. and you thought you think we'd be upset with you? You have just sprinkled me. I would not be upset with you if you <laughs> won independently. Now, I would, because you assume I would give you still half of no, it? No, I don't think that it? that would happen. Oh. I would understand the clear difference between pool tickets and individual tickets. You wouldn't and, be even a little bit angry? No. Why would, why would I be angry about that? I'd would be, she get her own show? Would you retire? Because <laughs> <laughs> it'd be... <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> no, I wouldn't stop. I wouldn't. You Come wouldn't on. stop working? No. If you won $502 million. Do you know what's wrong with people who win that much money? They stop, they working. stop working. I know. And then but they you lose know touch with reality and they get hawked up on the on the hook. Yeah, but, but I don't got, think you're going to go on a shopping spree and binge on crystal meth. Like, hey, that's not. Let me use your own I, words against you. You don't, you don't know, know me. You don't know my life. Um, if you came in here, though, every day after winning five hundred and two million dollars, mm-hmm. that would that then I would become angry. Like, don't come in here all sitting on top of $500 million with your fancy shoes. My fancy shoes, that's me. (laughs) I know you. I I would let you park on my floor in the parking garage. See, that kind of stuff would annoy the hell out of me. That's what I couldn't abide by. Good story out of Miami. Hey, guys, I'm going to go paddle boarding and then never, ever come back, despite the fact that you owe a half a million dollars in child support. Hmm. What happened to that? Well, it's better than killing the wife or the kid because that and that happens sometimes. And it might not be five hundred million, but we do have a chance for you to win a thousand dollars coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. You need a new smile, perhaps a water main broke in your mouth. Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Triple eight six forty smile. Keep listening. We'll tell you how you can win. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty. Well, if you're looking to learn, uh, take two. Well, if you're looking to earn some money, you don't have to earn it. We'll give it to you. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword cash to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to two hundred two hundred. Michael in Riverside did just that, and he answered the phone when they called, and they gave him a thousand bucks. Boom, just like that. You got to answer the phone, or else they'll move on. Yeah, your next chance to win is going to be an hour from now, and then of course, all during the John and Ken show and that first hour of the Conway show, you will give away a thousand dollars an hour. Hey Hoffman, did you hear about this accident? That, that was not an accident in San Francisco? Accident that was not an accident. They're saying that there was a driver that got into a fight with uh, five people who were walking by and struck them with his car. Oh, uh-oh. Just ran, all five of them? Ran right into them. Four victims have life-threatening injuries. Wow. All five taken to the hospital. Was he driving a Volvo? Why? I don't know. Just because it's a big square boxy. Seemed like you'd have to have a lot of surface area to hit five people. <laughs> Do you know who George Theo Harris is? No. Do you know where Constantine George Theo Harris is? No. Nor does anyone else. Tell me more. George Theo Harris. George Theo Harris is a fellow from Fort Lauderdale. Lifetime diver. He's a Greek man. Experienced on on the water. Is that a Greek name, Theo Harris? Constantine Theo Harris. I would assume so. Okay. March 20th was the last time we saw Constantine. He was um, he was due to speak in court to charges of not paying child support to the tune of $500,000. That's a lot of child support. Yes. So he took off on his paddleboard, perhaps for a small morning workout, whatever he likes to do, out in the Atlantic. But that was the last anybody saw of him. That's he never showed true. up to court that day. That's not true. That's well, not the last everyone anyone saw of him. Somebody of his picked him up 
And uh, they, he wants to be treated like he disappeared, he died in the water, and now he can go live and not have to pay the 500 grand in child support. But then where is he? He's with a, a friend that he paid off long before it came to this. Where's his body? With the friend somewhere. Where's his paddleboard? They probably destroyed it, probably got rid of it. What about his diving fins and his mask and his weight belt that are now missing from his dive bag? I don't know. You don't have very many answers. I'm pretty sure he just took off to avoid the payments. Are you sure you don't know who Constantine George Theo Harris is? You're not the friend that picked him up off the paddleboard in the Atlantic, are you? No, I am not. Where were you on the day of March 20th? Probably here. I don't know where I was yesterday, so <laughs> that's a non-starter. Uh, his younger brother, <laughs> fighting back tears, actually said he's very capable on the paddleboard, so it seems fishy. Get it? Yeah. Uh, he was under pressure. He owed $600,000, according to the brother, and he didn't have it. Mm-hmm. He was afraid the judge would throw him in jail. If he's scared, we hope he'll contact us, make a phone call. Just let somebody know that you're safe so we can rest at night. He's been divorced for 10 years. His ex-wife has been fighting him for child support for their two teenage kids for the last five years. So more than 500000 less than the 600000 that the brother says he owes. You, but you it's pull still up a picture of this guy? 549000 pull up a picture of this guy? No. Look at this guy. What does he look like? This is What's... that uh, frat brother that you picked Constant... up in the oh. middle of the Atlantic because oh, yeah. he didn't want to pay off the ex-wife. Yeah. That's who that guy is. Strong hair, though. Strong head of hair. Yeah. That's, uh, that's visible from space, perhaps. Um, police have a surveillance video from a neighbor's house that shows this guy on a blue paddleboard heading north from the home off of North Atlantic Boulevard there in Fort Lauderdale at about 7.30 in the morning. But that's the last that anyone has seen of him outside of Shannon's conspiracy theory that someone then picked him up and took him to Bermuda. It's the most plausible theory. You, what, why couldn't it be That's possible more that he was... believable than him going uh, on a paddleboard and getting it eaten by a shark that consumed him and his paddleboard and all of his gear. That doesn't make any sense. He could have ditched the paddleboard, just in case someone found it. But it, like, Guys, s- like scuttled it, blown a hole in the bottom of it, and put it in the bottom of it. You have to think about the worst in people. That's the key to all <laughs> the mysteries. <laughs> That, Coming up that next. Makes the answers come a lot quicker. Swamp Watch. Speaking of the worst in people. Right. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. All of the news out of Washington, D.C. and all of the politics Are associated there. Are you going to eat more with. M&M's? Uh, not yet. Okay. I just had my my little chicken lunch. So all right. I'm pretty good for now. Okay. My blood sugar is going to bottom out at about uh, 115, though. Okay. So. I'm going to go get some more. Great. Gary and Shannon will continue. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. This this stuff about Kim Jong Un. And his alleged trip to to China. <laughs> there were censors that banned uh, sensitive search words related to North Korea during the four-day visit to the country this week. So people online in China came up with a bunch of creative aliases for Kim Jong-un. I have not brushed up on my Mandarin for a couple of years, but one of them is Kaishigo Chao Chi. 
What does that mean? Fatty on the train. <laughs> this other one in this in the next paragraph, Kai Shigo Chow Chi means obese patient. Uh, the other the other one that's kind of lame is Kai Shigo Chow Chi, which just means visitor from the northeast. Where did you get the pronunciation of the Chinese characters here? Uh, well, it's because it's not it's not in my uh, it's not here in my paraphernalia. The only the only person I know who actually speaks Chinese is John Huntsman, uh, who the guy running. Was he, a, he was an ambassador to China at one point. As they would say in China, So were you just making up Chinese words when you were saying fatty on the train and obese? No. The other one is Kim Fatty the Third. How do you pronounce that? Fatty, fatty, fatty was another name. Oh, yeah, but that, I mean, to say that one... It's not actually just fatty, fatty, fatty. In Chinese, it sounds like this. You're being really racist right now. Why is that? Why well, is that you're racist? making it sound like every Chinese phrase sounds the same. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you fluent in Chinese? No, but I don't purport to be. Whitey, white, white, white. So now I'm appropriating the culture. Yeah, you're damn right you are. <laughs> I haven't, had a, I haven't had a drop of alcohol since Valentine's Day, <laughs> and, I, and I sound like I'm drunk. It's starting to show. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of North Korea, the president tweeted today that he received a message from the president of China, Xi Jinping. Uh, see, I said that correctly. You did. You did. Uh, that the meeting that President Xi had with Kim Jong-un went very well. And he said he looks forward that, in fact, Kim Jong-un looks forward to meeting with President Trump. Uh, The White House said that the president also plans to meet Kim Jong-un by May, is the way that they said it, uh, even though there are still tensions. In fact, this was uh, the the subject of a question today at the White House press briefing. We would like to see this. Obviously, this is something of a um, global importance, and we want to make sure that it's done as soon as we can, but we also want to make sure it's done properly, and we're working towards that goal. The other tweet from the president said, for years and through many administrations, everyone said that peace and the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula is not even a small possibility. Now, there is a good chance that Kim Jong-un will do what is right for his people and for... Humanity. So there. What do you think about the president saying that Kim Jong-un will do what is right for humanity based on the information we have of how people live in North Korea? I I think there is a bit of irony when it comes to using the term humanity and speaking of Kim Jong-un. Yes. Not sure that that guy gets Those people are starved and the government gets all the the wealth. Right. So uh, that is either him being... Raw, just stupid and ignorant to what goes on in North Korea with the people that mm-hmm. live there, or lying, or being ironic. I'm not sure. I don't. I'm not sure he works in nuance. I though, don't think so. he works in irony. Yeah. So I don't know. It's possible. The other thing that the president tweeted today, which hits a little bit closer to home, is that he supports residents and elected officials in Orange County who have opposed the state sanctuary state law. Uh, He said on Twitter, my administration stands in solidarity with the brave citizens in Orange County defending their rights against California's illegal and unconstitutional sanctuary policies. Um, This is 
the morning after Mission Viejo City Council was the latest to approve a resolution in support of Los Alamitos, they voted to exempt that city from the California Values Act, is the way that uh, it's written, of course, stupid state law title. Um, but this is one of those things. It also comes on the heels of what we saw yesterday, the sheriff in Orange County announcing that she was going to have her jailers post the release dates of everyone, not just immigrants or people who might be uh, wanted on detainer from Immigration and Customs Enforcement, all inmates and their release dates are going to be published so that they avoid the appearance of being racist or ethnicist or immigrantist or whatever they want to say. A report from the Washington Post details how the president is obsessed with Amazon. And this is not obsessed like we're obsessed with Amazon in terms of ordering things. He's obsessed with Amazon because allegedly he's got a bunch of wealthy buddies that tell him Amazon is destroying their businesses. This is an interesting one to go after considering a lot of people believe that Amazon and Jeff Bezos are a shining example of American capitalism at its best. Sources, five of them, who have discussed it with the president, reported to the Washington Post that he's obsessed with Amazon. He's talked about changing Amazon's tax treatment because he's worried about mom-and-pop retailers being put out of business. Although, how many mom-and-pop retailer friends does he have? He's (laughs) friends with heads of corporations, not... Anyway, um, a source who's spoken to the president told the Washington Post he's wondered aloud if, there, aloud if there may be any way to go after Amazon with antitrust or competition law. I don't know how to feel about this. I think part of this is there is a changing market. There's, there's thing, there are things that Amazon has capitalized on for the last 20 years that have made shopping in general easier for everyone. How many Amazon packages did you get at your house last week? We got four at Two. my house. I, everybody, everybody, one. it seems every week has at least one package now coming in from well, Amazon. Because that's how we buy whatever. things. Like right. we would usually stop at the market or, or the mall or whatever to pick up X, Y, and Z, but now you don't have to do that. But we wouldn't do it if we if it wasn't a convenient thing. I mean, right. we wouldn't do it if the, if if the it model didn't more work. Or, right. So the model works at this point. And I don't like the fact that people lose their jobs at places like sports chalet or toys r us or anything like that but there is a there is a shift there is a change that's going on and we're on the cutting edge of it so it's it's a strange thing that he would go after amazon considering it's been successful at what it set out to do it's never been a secret what amazon wants to do stormy daniels attorney michael avenatti has filed a motion in federal court trying to depose the president and his lawyer michael cohen to ask about that payout the payout they made to her allegedly before the 2016 election. We'll tell you what that means when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue Swamp Watch right after this. Briefly, Stormy Daniels' attorney filed a motion in federal court trying to get to that deposition of the president and his lawyer, Michael Cohen, to ask about that payout that they allegedly made to Stormy Daniels before the election. Uh, In this motion filed in federal court here in California, the attorney uh, requested a deposition for Trump and Cohen. And in this filing... Uh, He cited the 1997 Supreme Court case involving then-President Bill Clinton, which established that a sitting president has no immunity from civil litigation. 
There's a like date that. set for April 30th. Um, remember one of the allegations that uh, Stormy Daniels made in that 60 Minutes interview from Sunday night was that somebody associated with the president, then candidate, went to her and threatened her. At least that was her sort of tenuous allegation. She said that someone threatened her. And I think the point of bringing up the story was for to, to try to make everyone believe that Donald Trump had sent this person, whoever it was, to threaten her and her daughter. Well, you know who else says they have an interesting and similar story about being threatened by somebody associated with Donald Trump? Is Megyn Kelly. Megyn Kelly said that Corey Lewandowski used similar language to try to keep her away from the second debate. It was the first debate where she and President Trump, then candidate Trump, got into it with each other and sort of the story that went on for a couple of weeks about what he called her. What Megyn Kelly says was that Lewandowski threatened me, saying I'd, quote, had a rough couple of days after that last debate, and he, quote, would hate to have me go through that again. I don't remember that ever coming out before. We mentioned that the president was speaking about North Korea, uh, North Korea moving toward peace. Arlette Signs is covering this story for us from Washington joins us now about the president's comments about Kim Jong-un. Arlette, what's the latest? Well, the president was tweeting this morning after it was learned that that we learned last night uh, that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un had that surprise visit to China where he met with President Xi Jinping. Uh, Leader Kim Jong-un left North Korea on a a train. There's a lot of speculation of who was on it, and we ultimately learned it was him. This morning, the president was tweeting saying that he actually received a message from China's president uh, saying that the meeting with Kim Jong-un went very well and that Kim Jong-un is looking forward to meeting with the president. Uh, last night, he was also tweeting about this, uh, saying that he hopes that this uh, that Kim Jong-un will do what's right for his people and for humanity and that he will continue to try to pursue peace. Now, a, a short while ago, White House Sec- Press Secretary Sarah Sanders was asked about when the president and Kim Jong-un might be meeting, whether that will still be in May. She says that they are hoping that the talks can take place by May, but that's what they also want to focus on is that any meeting is actually conducted properly. What do we know about the meeting, this big meeting? Do we have a place yet? Do we have anything uh, more concrete, like a specific time in May, or are there are other events where they could get together on the sidelines in May? No, really, as of right now, all that we have is speculation, other than the White House saying that they hope it will be by May. You know, that there's there's been talk that could the meeting occur here? Could the meeting occur in Pyongyang? Could it occur in South Korea or, or China, some type of neutral territory? But so far, uh, the White House and, and North Koreans haven't indicated uh, where that will take place and by when. But the White House does say that they have every intention that they hope it will happen by May, but they also want to make sure that the conditions are right. What has the reaction been to the president talking about Kim Jong-un doing what's right for his people and for humanity when the track record for Kim Jong-un and his family has been less than stellar, to say the least, when it comes to how they treat their people. 
Well, I think a lot of people are watching closely how President Trump reacts to every element uh, of the story as we get closer and closer uh, to a potential meeting. And one other thing that people are also watching closely is his new national security advisor, John Bolton. Uh, in the past, he uh, has taken a pretty hardline stance against uh, both Ar Iran and North Korea, uh, saying that preemptive strikes are what's needed uh, when it comes to North Korea. We'll have to see if uh, John Bolton, you know, tries to inject any of that type of rhetoric as he uh, comes into the national security advisor uh, position uh, next April and how his thinking uh, will influence the president. What does this mean for the relationship between the United States and China? If this has been so important, if China has been such an important player in getting North Korea to the table, what does this say about our relationship and the president's relationship with Xi Jinping? Well, the White House today said that they were informed of the meeting and briefed of, of uh, on the meeting yesterday, uh, NSC officials were breached, or breached, and then, uh, or sorry, were briefed and then informed uh, the president of it. Um, but you know, China, the president has said that China is going to be instrumental when it comes to North Korea, and he has been out there and he has criticized China when he feels that they haven't taken as strong of an approach or as forceful uh, or aren't exerting as much pressure as he would like. Uh, so I think that. The U.S. And, and the president want to make sure that they are in consultation with uh, President Xi Jinping uh, to make sure that he is also pushing for the same goals that the U.S. is. All right. Arlette, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, one of the things that I saw also that's going on is uh, the White House has been dealing with or answering questions about the recent news when it comes to police officer shootings of black men, the shooting deaths of black men by police officers. And in fact, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked about it today and specifically about the uh, acquittal of two Louisiana police officers involved in the shooting death of Alton Sterling. If you remember, uh, just image wise, he was a guy who was on the ground in front of a car, was wrestling with a couple of officers and he was shot and killed. And her quote was, certainly a terrible incident. This is something that is a local matter, and that's something we should, uh, we feel should be left up to the local authorities at this point in time. Um, but she did say that the president remains committed to supporting police, did not see a role for himself in the multiple high-profile incidents of young men being killed during interactions with police. I, I've got to say, I think that's a that's a difficult position for him to be in and be asked about, because what if the president does get involved? Uh, and and what would he do? I mean, can he call for better training? Can he call for the release of body camera footage? I mean, I don't understand. He's not in a position to answer those questions. Uh, you got to take each case by case basis. Get dive into the details. Look at all the evidence that there exists. Yeah, a, a blanket answer on that on you that can't, issue. You is... can't make a blanket answer. One shouldn't be taken seriously if other, you are going to give a blanket answer. Other than her comment, that's a terrible incident. I, mean, yeah. I don't think anybody's celebrating the fact that right. anybody's dying anywhere. That's not good. Uh, Yahoo Sports reported on Twitter about Bavada, Bavada's online casino and how Bavada has set odds for a fight between Trump and Biden. It looks like Trump is a slight favorite. A slight favorite? Slight favorite thought it was much more than that have they traded any more insults no since uh since last week no thankfully we haven't had to deal with with uh, fifth children but but the idea i mean president trump is six three two fifty 
depending on 240, depending on who you believe. Uh, Joe Biden is uh, about 5'9", if I'm not mistaken, six feet tall. I think he's six feet tall. So the, the president already has three inches on him in height. You can imagine that he's probably got six or seven inches on him when it comes to uh, a wingspan. So his reach is going to be higher. He outweighs him by a good 50 pounds. So why in, why he's just a slight favorite over Joe Biden? Biden could be like uh, Steve Lightning Little. You know, he could surprise you for his size. Who the hell is Steve Lightning Little? Steve Lightning Little was 5'10 and a successful boxer. <laughs> okay. When, <laughs> when we come back, more boxing news. Oh, and we get to say the word Schlitterbahn on the air. We'll tell you why. He was the middleweight champion in 1994. He was very good. Very, very good. One of the best boxers that ever lived. Uh-huh. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. <laughs> Give me the green light. Let's go. I'm ready to go. stuff going on today we've told you a little bit about the uh, marijuana edible market could potentially go extinct even though it's uh, recreational marijuana is now legal in california all the regulations are forcing some of these small businesses just out of business so you check that up on the podcast you want to listen a little bit later you can go to kfiam640.com use the keyword gary and shanna do you remember the story of that massive water slide slash roller coaster in Kansas where that little boy died on his way down? He was decapitated, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a little kid named Caleb Schwab. Uh, this was uh, August of 2016. Just a horrific story. And having done just enough research to make myself sick, uh, figured out exactly what happened. Um, if you imagine a giant water slide, uh, there's a lot of them all over the place. And I mean, a lot of the places here in Southern California have things similar to this, but not exactly. If you remember, a lot of them have sort of the, what did you call it, Nick? You called it uh, the demon drop or the venom drop or something just mm. one of those yeah venom drop super high very steep very very sleep very steep very tall extreme one shoot straight down and then it flattens out into a pool and it makes you go really fast it feels like you're gonna fall off like if you try to look over the edge you can't see the actual slide right. exactly yes Ugh. that kind most but, of the slide is covered with a net suspended by oh metal hoops because in this one it not only goes down the first time it has a uh, a hump in the middle of it. There's it, there's water that actually shoots up the hill to propel the raft that you're on back up the hump. I shouldn't say back up, but up the next hump and then down and then into the pool. So it's a long straight with one hump in the middle. When this happened back in August a couple of years ago, Caleb and two other women were on this raft. And that's why it's sort of a hybrid water slide roller coasters because you actually ride a raft and as it comes back up this the hump they were thrown out of the raft 
Caleb hit his head on the netting or the the metal hoop that's above it, and he was decapitated. The two women that were with him were also seriously injured in the accident. The reason we're talking about this today is the water park company co-owner is has been charged has been charged with this boy's death. Um, it looks like they had hidden a bunch of injuries. They had rushed construction through. In the two years that this thing was in operation, 13 people were injured, many after the rafts left the slide. A month after the ride opened, a 14-year-old received a concussion. The next summer, another teen was concussed. A 20-year-old woman suffered a slipped spinal disc. The ride was said to terrify park employees who had to operate and test it. One of these people... A guy by the name of Nathan Campbell said, we had to ride it three times before we actually opened the park every day. They would ask lifeguards who would want to volunteer, and no one would put their hands up. It was like, no, I don't want to do it. They're just making us like, oh, yeah, just test this. It's fine, even though they'd see the test dummies fly off. I've seen this at Magic Mountain. I've seen this up at Six Flags where they will run the roller coasters before. I mean, when you're waiting in line before the park even opens, they'll have the stuff rolling. To make sure that, number one, that it works and that everything is up to snuff before they put any humans on it. This guy, Nathan Campbell, who re- who worked at the park, said one day he was chosen to be the morning tester. And on the third trip down, the raft flipped and crashed into a wall. He went home with a back injury. A report was never written. And that was the last time he had worked at the Schlitterbahn there, the name of the uh, amusement park. The... Uh... The way it's described by the Washington Post is this this ride, Verrucht, has a nearly vertical 168-foot drop at the beginning. Right off the bat, you're going straight down almost. And then you go up 50 feet. That's the hump I was describing. Up 50 feet, propelled by not just the inertia of the original drop, but also a series of high-pressure water blasters. In some instances, like the way uh, the way that Nathan Campbell, that lifeguard, was describing... In some instances, instead of going right back down the other side of the hump, the raft went airborne. And that's what happened with this little boy, why he was so serious, so, well, why he was fatally injured and why the two women that were with him were so seriously hurt. The guy who co-runs the park, uh, what's his name, something Henry, he's 62 years old, uh, Jeffrey Henry, yep. as well as John Schooley, a designer of the water slide have been indicted for second-degree murder, it looks like. In Kansas, second-degree murder is classified as unplanned but intentional killings or killings caused by a reckless disregard for human life. And just that definition alone, I think, uh, shows you what these two were guilty of. Yeah, that second-degree murder could bring with it a sentence anywhere from nine years to 41 years in prison. But along with that, 17 other felonies, aggravated battery, aggravated endangerment of a child uh, tied to injuries that other riders had sustained, that Shannon said, uh, that that he accused this guy, this uh, the owner of the park, Jeffrey Henry, of making a spur-of-the-moment decision to build this ride and that he and the guy who eventually designed it, John Schooley, didn't have any technical or engineering expertise when it comes to amusement park rides. They just wanted, and this is going to gross you out, 
the reason why they rushed this through, the reason why they built this, even though they had no ex- experience or expertise, they wanted the ride to be on TV. They wanted to be on the travel channel. What can we do? Screw human life. Screw all the kids that are going to trust us with their lives. What can we do to get on reality television? There's a, uh, in the context, we thought it was just a, a nice, you know, human interest feature story about the world's largest water slide that Good Morning America did. But when we play parts of it for you, it will, it, it, it will just wrench at your gut that, not too long after this interview, there was going to be a kid who lost his head literally on that ride. And that these guys were just going for the biggest, the fastest. They didn't care. They didn't even they didn't even hire an engineer to do the dynamic engineering or the slide path design that would keep this thing, make it as thrilling as possible, but keep it safe so that this wasn't going to be an issue. We'll do that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty. Monica. Oh wait, wait, real quick, Monica. Why? Sorry. What's the matter? What? Oh, 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 um, what happened? I I just forgot that we're gonna also give away a thousand dollars. Oh, that brought to you by Cunning Dental. Got Dodger Stadium mouth. <laughs> Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Triple eight six forty. Smile. Shannon, your chance to win $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's LUCK to 200-200. You're chosen to win that $1,000. They'll give you a call. It might be from a number you don't recognize, but if you don't answer, you're not going to win. They'll move on to somebody else. Don't worry. Don't worry, you got another chance next hour to win $1,000 all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show and then starting up again tomorrow with Jonesy during Wake Up Call at 5 a.m. all the way through 7 p.m., $1,000 an hour right here on KFI. I've been telling you this story about the Schlitterbahn. This is an amusement park in Kansas, and it looks like this water slide slash roller coaster should have required months of calculation, computer modeling, prototyping by trained engineers before builders would even break ground on something like this. But investigators have found, investigators looking into the death of a young boy who was decapitated riding this thing back in 2016, that engineers were never directly involved in the conception or design. And that this guy, Jeffrey Henry, and his team completed a prototype within 36 days. They rushed. And they skipped fundamental steps in the design process. One of the things I was showing you just during the commercial break there was the lack of engineering prowess that these guys had. They weren't doing things using mathematical models. They were doing things trial and error. Right. So they'd throw sandbags into a raft on this water slide and then shoot that thing down the chute. And... The, the, not only would the raft come up out of the trough that it's supposed to stay in, these sandbags, 120-pound sandbags that were supposed to simulate human bodies, were flying out of the raft to the point where 
the state came in and said, listen, you're going to have to make this safer. So they changed the angle of attack, if you want to call it that, and they required that the metal and uh, the metal hoops and the net that went around it be attached to all of this ride, Verrucht, to try to keep people in if, in fact, the raft would leave the water surface, which is what it did when young Caleb Schwab was decapitated by the ride. I found this. This was an ABC News story from a few years ago when Schlitterbahn was opening its Verrucht water slide ride talking about it being the highest, the tallest, the fastest, all of that stuff, because there had been a very public arms race, if you want to call it that, with amusement parks and trying to come up with the best ride. This is Matt Gutman from ABC News talking to the designer of the ride about this and and asking, hey, are we getting to the point where we're getting too dangerous just to the point or just so that we can scare people? So many wondering if the fear business is getting dangerous. The ride's designer says no. It's being built really like you'd build a spaceship. This one's been tested. Everything from impact to speed. The thing is, there were at least 29 incidents where people riding the ride complained that the brakes didn't work. You mentioned that Nathan Campbell, the lifeguard who was uh, forced, if you want to call it that, to ride the ride on a test ride early in the morning and hurt his back. The raft went all the way to the end of the ride. The brakes never engaged. I don't know what kind of brakes it would have, but the brakes never engaged, and the raft hit a wall at the end, flipped over, and flipped he and the other occupants out of the raft into the pool. And that's how he hurt his back. I guess part of the surprising part of this, uh, what we're learning in these court papers, again, these two charged with or indicted with um, second-degree murder. Was it a grand jury or is it prosecutors? I think it's a grand jury. Okay. indicted for second degree murder is you know you think when you go to these amusement parks that there's some sort of oversight that you see the world's tallest uh, water slide roller coaster and you think well of course somebody came in here regulators or the state or someone and checked it out there's got to be some sort of safety regulations for for them to open up um business there had to be some engineers involved in this. Yeah. It's like this false sense of security. It's like the Disneyland syndrome that, you know, life is like Disneyland. You're never going to get hurt. But there are places like this. There are guys like uh, even listening to him talk. I would not trust him with. Well, and you saw these guys, right? Yeah. I mean, so you talk about uh, these guys looked more like the uh, the county carnival that rolls around in the summertime. Oh, that yeah. goes City to city. And the, the, the guys that run the uh, Gravitron and haven't slept for three weeks and have two teeth between them all. Right. And they're sleeping under the ride. Like that's yeah. their hotel room yeah. is sleeping under they the ride. They haven't changed their clothes since 97. The uh, the story about Caleb after he was killed on this ride he, his family, his dad, I think, was a, a state representative, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Republican state representative, Scott Schwab. He and his family settled uh, for $20 million, $20 million from the water park and the other companies that were involved in the death. But the, again, the co-owner of the company and the designer of the ride could be facing dozens of years in jail as a result of this. There were even people... There were people who went blind as a result. There was one girl who actually hit her head and went blind temporarily after riding this ride. 
If anything that like that. That should have shut it down right there. Right. They were also talking about age restrictions because they were concerned about the size of the person that would be riding it, whether or not they would be able to stay in the boats that were uh, going down this chute. That they said originally they were going to put a 16-year-old age limit. You had to be 16 to ride it. And then they said, Nate, you know what? Let's change that to 14. We don't want to shut out a lot of our customers. And then two days before the ride opened, they said, no age restrictions at all. Caleb was the son of a Kansas Republican state representative. It just, I mean, I know you mentioned that, but I'm just saying, doesn't that get some sort of formal regulation involved? You think. And I I wonder if that's because that's part of why this is driven to the point that it is. I mean, we're seeing criminal charges as opposed. You could make an argument that this was an accident. And unfortunate, horrible accidents do happen even on safe rides. But uh, if there's such a history of ignoring the security protocols that should have taken place, then did you hear something? I did. Did you hear something? I thought that was just in my head. No, unless we share headspace. Sometimes I I do. Have you been wasping? No. Because that may be what's happening if you're hearing things in your head. Like auditory hallucinations? Mm -hmm. What was that? Wasping? Did you hear that one? No. I told you not to put the bug spray on your weed this morning. Well, if I'm not going to, then who is? Everybody else in America. It's the new thing. It's happening, and it will kill you. Did you hear that one? Unfortunately, yes. Because I heard it sound like Usher. You need to put the Usher down. Uh... And Little John? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go. It wasn't just in I'm my gonna... head. Where are you going? I actually appreciate those. Thank those, you. Yeah. Monica appreciates my auditory hallucinations. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, wasping when we come back to the Gary and Shannon show. And she says, I wish that I could be like the cool kids. Gary and Shannon. John and Ken coming up at the 2 o'clock hour. They also are giving away $1,000 an hour. We're also going to have an update in just a few minutes about uh, the story that we did a couple of weeks ago. We've actually covered it a couple of times. The Rebecca Zahau case, the woman who was found hanging down in that mansion in the San Diego area. Somebody testified that she could have, she could have tied up her own arms and hands behind her body and then hanged herself. Yeah, this is a wrongful death lawsuit with a lot of non-experts testifying, but we'll get into the very latest coming up. Well, we told you yesterday about this new trend, a new disturbing drug trend. It's something else all the time, isn't it? I think it was Tide Pods the last time we talked about the new drug trend. This time it's called wasping. Ryan Burrow is joining us to talk more about this. We understand, Ryan, that uh, in Northeast Ohio, this has become a fatal uh, trend, a a fatal uh, what would you call it? Dare on some in some cases. Yeah, I don't exactly know if it uh, is a trend, if it's something that was dared on, or or how this all came to be. But what we do know is in in Akron, Ohio, there were three reported cases in a span of two days of what's called wasping, and and what it is is uh, basically uh, cutting meth uh, with the same kind of spray that you would use to kill bees and wasps and hornets. Uh, it's sprayed onto the drug, uh, it's heated up, it's crystallized, then it's heated up again and then injected, 
And uh, on top of the uh, extreme uh, buzz, I guess, you get from, from this meth product, you also inject the poison with it. And um, it, it has some dire consequences in Northeast Ohio. And, uh, in one case, the, the sheriff's office actually says that one of the woman's bodies actually started contorting almost like you see when you spray a, a rock this kind of with this kind of spray. Oh my God! So what's the allure? What what's what's the high with this thing? You, you know, I wish I could explain it, uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that's possible. I mean, I, I think people want to continue to push the limits with different chemicals and. Um, obviously, this kind of spray is something you can get over the counter at a drugstore, at a hardware store. It's, it's pretty accessible. But uh, what these law enforcement officers are saying, don't do it. Don't mess with this. Uh, it, it's not pretty. And uh, of the people who hallucinated on it, they don't remember a darn thing. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a place you want to be in. This is a straight. Has there been a problem with uh, with huffing in general up there in uh, in northeast Ohio? You know, Ohio has been kind of a, a, a real problem with, with drugs in general. The opioid epidemic has really hit Ohio very, very hard as well. And, um, you know, they're doing everything they can to combat this. Uh, this is just another tool, and they're hoping it doesn't spread uh, around the country. Very strange. All right, Ryan. Ryan, thank, thank you. you. Take care. It's just one of those things that I don't understand. And they weren't they weren't doing Tide Pods for uh, for getting to get high, were they? I mean, they were doing it because... Oh, it, it was, was a, a challenge. Dare. It was eat detergent and don't die, and uh, we'll see who, who wins. Hey, I've got an update. Yes. Uh, unfortunate worst-case scenario end to a story. Okay. The aspiring model actress that oh, was yeah. missing, and remember we told you she was missing since, I believe, late February. Right. Social media, all, she's all over social media all the time. And as soon as she went missing, uh, she disappeared from social media. So that's kind of how her family knew that she was no longer with us. Last seen in Hollywood area with luggage. She was going to go on a trip with her boyfriend. And that was the last they saw of her. And boyfriend becomes a person of interest, like all too well, that like it happens all too often with these cases. Cops find him. They track him down in Riverside County. I believe it was Corona. They have given chase to him. He pulls over and kills himself. So they were looking at a search area between um, Los Angeles and Sacramento County for some sort of reason. They found her in a shallow grave. Yeah, it turns out that they find her up just east of Beale Air Force Base, east of Yuba City. And they were careful to say that they just found remains when they found him the other day and now have confirmed, in fact, that it was the body of Adia Shabani, positively identified, they said, through tattoos during the autopsy. Now, the question is the cause of death. That That's still a mystery because while they did have some blunt force trauma to the head is what they found during the autopsy, the actual cause of death won't be determined. It won't be announced, at least, until toxicology and tissue analysis. But that that was the only significant wound, the only significant injury they found on her was a blunt force to the head. So that's uh, a horrible end to uh, a horrific story. She had been studying acting in Los Angeles for fewer than two years. Did you see the? Did you see this this boyfriend? Did you look at what he looks like? Mm-mm. He just looks like total scum. Some bad guy. And this is a guy who uh, was, I guess, engaged also. I understand that he went to his own father's house up in Woodland, which is kind of near Davis, uh-huh. and then got onto a plane 
with or was believed to have gotten onto a plane with his fiancee at one point, which made no sense if, in fact, he was seeing this girl, if he was seeing Adia Shabani, why he's engaged to somebody else also. Yeah. Uh, nice. Um, so, The mother, by the way, flew over from Europe and immediately offered a $25,000 reward in the case. She, and that's the thing. I, I can't imagine what that's like to have your kid that far away from you. Yeah. And then to have something horrific like that happen. Apparently they, the two met at an acting school, the Stella Adler Academy of Acting. Yeah. Thing. All right. That's um, why my dad and my grandma say they call me every single day. Because. Because we live so far away. And they're East Coast, right? Yeah. Florida. They're both in Florida. Yeah, but she was from. Macedonia. Yeah. She, I mean, we're talking. That's a that's like 17 Florida. hour plane flight. It's not. Yeah, but different. A little bit like it. We have a geography. Still far. Long ways away. I like it when we whisper. All right, we've got an update (laughs) on the Rebecca Zahau case when we come back on that wrongful death lawsuit and what we're learning. Just the one of the more odder deaths in recent years there in uh, Coronado. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. People can do Westworld references to you that don't even make sense for what we're talking about. No, it's still good. And you just love it. Just a, it's just Does your wife do that at home? Like she'll she'll just like she's notices that it's like a Tuesday at like four thirty, low blood sugar time of day, and you're just kind of moping around the house, and she'll just walk up to you and say, "What door?" Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember uh, the commercial that came on for Westworld during the Super Bowl? No. You were not wrong. No, I just didn't pay attention. Oh, okay. I, I, unlike you, don't really pay attention to Westworld anymore. Okay, well, the commercial came on during the Super Bowl, and I was like, guys, you guys, quiet, quiet, it's Westworld, it's Westworld. I do remember that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my wife admitted to me in a very, uh, in a nice moment of honesty the other day, she said, I don't know if I'm really as excited for season two as you are. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's fine. All you got to do is just catch up on season one, and then you'll be totally excited about it. In fact, I'll even accept this. Go on YouTube and watch one of those, like, 10-minute dissections of the first season of Westworld where mm-hmm. they compile everything into just 10 minutes. And? She hasn't done that yet. Well, the but way, I'm hopeful. The way that She's I got, less than a month. Uh, got around that yep. with you is I think I said – but your summation of the shows is so much better than the show itself. That seemed to work. Uh, for now. I'll text her. For now. Oh, great. Great. That's what I need. You guys, more communication between the two. Rebecca Zahau. Her body was found hanging from the second story of her boyfriend's mansion in July 2011. It was such a mysterious death when it happened. It was ruled a suicide. But it was odd because, well, she was naked. And she, her hands were tied, her feet were tied, and her family says she would have never killed herself. Just a couple days before, the son of her boyfriend had taken a fall off the second-story balcony in the house and was barely hanging on to life at the hospital. He went on to die after she did, but it was all very odd. Well, her family now has gone to court in a wrongful death suit. 
they're attempting to put the blame on the boyfriend's brother who was staying at the house. Yeah, he's the one who found the body because he was living or at least staying the night because of this other family tragedy that had happened a few days before. He was staying the night in sort of a guest house, a pool house or something away from the main 27-room mansion because apparently there's no room. I don't know. Uh, but that was what part of what made it weird. There were uh, there were people who were called to testify. In fact, yesterday was just the last time that the defense testified. They restified. They restified. They rested their case. A guy who is a master knot expert, a guy named Richard, uh, sorry Robert Crisnall, was testifying and said that the way these knots were tied. He may have been able, sorry, she may have been able to tie up herself before you know, she threw her body over the balcony rail. Here's the thing about expert testimony in court cases, criminal and civil alike. Both sides can hire any expert they want, and they pay these experts tens of thousands of dollars to testify in, in uh, for their side. All right? You can essentially get one expert, not expert, to say she did it, and the, the other side can buy one expert expert to say she did not right a lot of times at least when i was reporting on on cases the testimony when i would speak to jurors they would say that the testimony of both experts kind of canceled each other out because they're just brought in there and they they always have great credentials but they're brought in there to say whatever they're supposed to be saying well this guy somebody asked was it you who asked what makes you a not expert no. And, uh, oh, d- Nick asked that today. We were t- we we're talking about what makes you a not expert. And I said, well, you're a Boy Scout or a sailor. You could be in the Navy. You could have a- this guy, this Robert Crisnall, who testified about about knots, spent a long time as a tugboat camp. Captain. One-handed bowling. I can show you how to do that. Like, bam. Yeah, but could you tie a, a tugboat to a cargo ship? If it uses a bowling. Okay. This guy is a tugboat captain, and he's testifying as an expert on knots in a suicide case. That sounds plausible. That happens. You could easily call somebody a knot expert if they spent uh, decades tying knots for work. They did also talk about DNA. They said that Rebecca D- Rebecca's a house DNA was found on a knot and other portions of the rope, which would make sense. I mean, it was on her body when she was hanged. Uh, but there was another expert who testified yesterday, a clinical psychologist, who said that despite her religious beliefs, which is one of the arguments the family made against her committing suicide, they said despite her religious beliefs, her life, her child molestation past and her domestic abuse past would put her at risk for suicide. Especially in the event of some traumatic experience, which we already said was the boyfriend's son having taken a, a fall in the home, it eventually killed him a few days later. Fox 5 in San Diego talked to Marsha Clark about the case. Marcia... Former prosecutor? Exactly. Ah. O.J. Simpson prosecutor Marsha Clark. And she did an interview with Fox 5 yesterday saying that the evidence points to something other than suicide, like like some of us have, have uh, hypothesized. She says, I don't believe this is a suicide. She was found hanging nude, feet and hands bound. She was found hanging outside a balcony. None of it fits the suicide theory. 
In my opinion, based on what we saw, you could say anything is possible. But at the end of the day, what is reasonable and most likely to have have happened? I love her question about the feet. Because Rebecca's body was bound. Hands and feet were both bound and she had a T-shirt in her mouth gagging her. How are you going to bind your own feet with your hands bound? Well, you start with your feet. Start with your feet. And then you you somehow. But then how do you get. You can do it. You can do it it over the balcony. It's physically possible. But her question is, why would you even bother binding your feet? Why would would you you tie up your feet if you're committing suicide? I guess what I don't understand, too, is why was she naked? That's the part that's odd to me as well. Family said she was very modest, modest about that sort of thing and would only be naked if she was in the shower. That was it. Like she wasn't somebody that traipsed around in her nothings. So uh, the defense has rested in that case, and uh, we will see where it goes. We'll keep an eye on it because it's going down, uh, going on down in San Diego. So interesting. Very interesting. All right. Got an email. I wanted to see if we've come up with any ideas yet. Okay. Hello, Gary and Shannon. My name is Sabina. I'm a junior at California State University, Chico, studying recreation, hospitality, and parks management. Our department's hosting a fundraiser event April 28th. My family, especially my mom, listens to your show, and and my mother mentioned that you and Shannon matriculated at Chico State, which we did. With that being said, we're currently looking for donations and was wondering if there are any great uh, KFI things that can be donated for our silent auction. Here's the thing, Sabina, or Sabina's mom. We could go into the office and collect stuff in our office because that's kind of really all the stuff that we have. Right. Um, just like different unicorn animals and stuff. Not all of them, but maybe one. Um, or uh, we've got some empty whiskey bottles from Philadelphia that we could also provide. Right. I they just don't need, see they any, need empty whiskey bottles in Chico. I just don't see anyone wanting any of our stuff. Not Even any. if we had like cool Gary and Shannon T-shirts or something. Right, which we do. I don't think anyone wants those. Well, that that I, lives... In Northern California and does not listen to the show. I wanted to say this because I thought this might be an idea. We send her one of those shirts and let that be the silent auction item or the auction item, whatever it is. You guys have to sign them, though. A black shirt. Again, I don't think anyone wants that. There's white print screen. What's that called? Yep. Screen printing. Who would want that? Silk screening. Silk screening. Sorry. I don't know. I don't think we'd get any bids. What about not, the couch? College kids all need Which couches. Which I think would be funny not, if we did it. Not one bid. Our egos aren't so soft that we couldn't take that. It's 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 not a show that's broadcast in that area, no. is what I keep well, going back to. Well, the iHeartRadio app it is. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, there was a story out of Sacramento in the aftermath of the shooting of uh, the young man by the Sacramento Police Department. In one of the protests, there was a CHP officer who was yelled at repeatedly. A, a black, black CHP, CHP officer. officer called Uncle Tom and just really took a brunt of a lot of anger that day. He's talking about his experience, about his upbringing, and the phone call that he made after that very tough day at work, and the phone call that he hopes he gets from the man that had the worst insults for him on that day. Very cool story. We'll share that with you tomorrow on the Gary and Shannon Show. See you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. And so we come to the end of another fun-filled episode of... Gary and Shannon.